Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fairly Normal with Josh Wolf. I'm Josh Wolf. My guest today, Mr. Tom Segura. Hello, Tom. How's it going? Good. How you doing, man? You know, I'm doing all right. Now I'm doing better than this song is right? on. Right? Yeah. Everybody has the same head nod to this. Feels good, man. Is this a song you're familiar with? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I, I, I always say... And I hear the song every week at least once. Crazy. Same reaction every time. It feels good, man. Yeah, right? There's certain songs that just, yeah. I've asked this before, and I'm curious what your opinion would be. Why do you think this music is not made anymore? Like, this is not... People are dead inside. <laughs> good funk is like... Dude. And it's all sampled. So it's like yes. people like it. Like a you know a version where you're hearing part of it, but yeah, I don't know. Uptown don't like funk blew this country up. Crazy. Did you ever catch a Parliament show? No, <gasps> no. Um. Well, listen, I'm really excited to sit down with you, man. I'm excited you're here, man. I did. I should say I did have. Uh, I had. Um, I wore a Bootsy Collins shirt the other day. Yeah. In the airport and this. A airport worker walked by me and goes, "What do you know about Pussy <laughs> <laughs> Like stopped what she was doing to, yeah. to interrogate me. I had I was wearing once a John Coltrane T-shirt, mm-hmm. and some guy basically said the same thing yeah. that I almost wasn't qualified to wear that to yeah. wear it. And I was like, I I like the music. He was like, Come on. I was I'm like. So- I'm so defensive that I was. I go, what do you know about him? Like, I, you know, I, I didn't like that she was yeah. interrogating me. I go, what the fuck do you know about him? You you should have had a Bootsy Collins like, off. Right. Yeah. Well, look, she would have won. <laughs> but I was just like, don't question me. <laughs> I, you know what's funny is that that's weird. I've reversed that to someone before. Yeah. There was a, because I also, I like across the board, lots of different types of music. Sure. Right? But I've been known to bang my head. Like I've I've seen Motley Crue at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of times. Like why not? Sure, right? sure. And I actually saw a black woman at the Motley Crue show with a Motley Crue T-shirt on, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What are you doing here?" It just snuck out of my mouth, and she was yeah. like, "What do you mean, black people can't like Motley Crue?" I'm like, "Well, they can." <laughs> Right, but generally they do not. <laughs> it's not. It's look. You're not off. Not in that the observation. Like, I mean, I w- when I was at that show, there yeah. may have been three people of color there. Yeah, but it is one of the. It's interesting. It is one of the great equalizers. Music is because, you know, the truth is, uh, different races, different socioeconomic backgrounds, mm-hmm. different you know, nationalities and religions can all, like that's one of those things where you'll think about it and you go, oh, that is the thing that makes us, kind of brings us all together. A hundred percent. Is that I like it, I'm nothing like you, you like it, you know, and then you go, that's kind of cool that maybe these two people who would have nothing in common like this one thing, you know. You know what, because, and I, and I this is why I'm jealous, of, as a comedian, I'm jealous of music, uh, music and oh. musicians, because yeah. it elicits an emotion mm-hmm. that you're right that can that crosses every barrier. Sure. And I remember, honestly, I do remember like seeing the Wanted Dead or Alive video mm-hmm. with by John Bon Jovi. I've seen a million faces and the whole stadium lights up and he yeah. goes, 
And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could ever do that. Now I can't. Right. Because I'm a comedian. Right. But. But you see the way it affects people. That feeling. Yeah. I was, I chased that for a long time. Oh, it's, it's still kind of a fantasy. Right. That you would, yeah, because even, you know, you want to be like a cynical prick as a comic. And you're like, this is just, you know, if you don't get this or you're not into this, it's right. not for you. I don't give a shit. But. <laughs> But it would be you. You still fantasize about it'd be cool if everybody was like, "This is awesome." Yeah, you know, which you get out of music. Well, because out of music, I'm sure there are songs. And I, for me, I remember where I was first time I heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Mm-hmm. I remember somebody playing for me at lunch in the cafeteria, and I was like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody has ever heard one of my jokes and been like, I remember where I was the first time <laughs> right, I, right. I heard that joke. Yeah. Like it, it, it completely. And you know what else? And I do believe this is the difference. Also, one of the reasons I'm jealous, if you're a musician and you put out five albums in a row uh-huh. and every album has one good song, but that one good song hits the top. Yeah. Number one, you have five albums. The other nine songs are shit. Mm-hmm. You're still a, a mega star. Definitely. If you put out five comedy albums and every album has one good joke, you're the worst comic of all time. You're trash. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's not, there's no, yeah. I mean, Journey can tour on Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. Even as with a little Filipino now. You don't even have to get um, incrementally better. But, no. but with stand up, you do. The whole measure is like, are you, you know, have you stopped being funny? Or, you know, that's what people go, they're like, that's interesting. Because basically, in a way, People actually do stop being funny. You know, a lot of comics yes. hit an age. I don't know if it's an age or it's just a part of their life where they're just like, I don't. And, it, and in a way, sometimes I think about it that maybe they stop being funny and it's almost a good thing for them on a personal level, like that their perspective on the world has changed enough where they don't view things the way that they... They're less know. tortured? Yeah. It's like they're, they're arrived at a... I don't know, but they do... You do see that somebody can put out great work comedically mm-hmm. and then not. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not is exactly... Yeah. <laughs> but I think a lot of that, honestly, if I'm thinking about it, is that, look, to do what we do, right? Mm-hmm. You have to go down to the comedy store on a Tuesday night. Right. Now, if I'm a musician and I'm not successful, I have a studio in my backyard and I yeah. can just, it's not, do you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to, to still to put the effort in on our part, you still have to leave the house and do 10 minutes somewhere. Sure. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It seems like more of a... kind of sucks, man. <laughs> I fucking hate, I mean, I'll tell you, I feel like I do so much stand-up. I, I've told people this for years, too, that like, I've, I've never been that big on doing a lot of spots in town. Yeah. Um, and I always feel like I don't need to. And not that I'm so good, I don't need to do it. I'm like, no, I'm doing stand-up all the fucking time. Yep. Like, I'll do, I just did five hours this weekend. So my last thought when I arrived back in town is like, man, I got to get on a mic somewhere. I'm like, no, nah. I did five hours of stand-up. Yeah. So I am going to do two spots this week, but I'm not like, for me, I go, that is plenty of stand-up, man. When I'm on the road, I'm with you. Because, and I've said, I said the same thing, because... We both have wives and yeah. families, and I'd like to be home, sure. and, right? But I will tell you, when I'm not on the road... That's different. Yeah, yeah. And it's guys, and I... Look, if you look at the tippy top of our, of our pecking order right now, mm-hmm. right? The top of the animal chain for comics. Who do you want to put up there? You want to put Burr up there? For sure. You want to put Rogan up there? Sure. You want to put Chappelle up there? Absolutely. They're on stage six, seven nights a week in town. Yeah. 
So when then I look at that, I'm like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. setting a different standard than 10 years ago. But, I mean, the the flip side of that, though, is that they're, I mean, they are doing that. You know, Rogan's his own animal of, like, the most um, active just human being I've ever been around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, he, he podcasts are three hours, and he does three a week. You know, he works out. He's fucking doing archery. Does he work out? <laughs> he does jujitsu. Yeah. You know, he does so. I, I almost think whatever his work habits are, they don't really apply. Apply to the rest of us? No. Okay. Um, and, I, like, with Louie, I agree. But he's probably, you know, he's, he is, he's definitely on stage a lot. When he's not working on one of his shows, right? He was yep. shooting that show, writing the show, acting and directing and editing the show. So that was probably time off. So he's, like, getting on stage a lot to build up for it. Chappelle was doing that hour that he's been touring with for like a year now. Yeah. So he would pop in, but he would do the hour. So he's just like, you know, going through reps. And I think at this point, he's probably working on another one. But then he'll tour all over with it. Right. That's my whole thing is like, if I'm touring all the time... There's no reason to. Well, it's like, I I do feel like you can write on stage. I've been... I've been doing it now for a few years and have turned over a few hours doing it. So I know that it's possible. I do the same thing. You know, and people go like, oh, you know, but what about your... I go, but like, I'll open with new five or I'll do them in the middle and then I can work it out, man. Like, it's not like I can't work out the material. I do the same thing. I also find for me, I don't know about you, I think LA is my toughest town. Mm. I think LA is my toughest town. And also because, you know, I, I do a lot of long form, especially now. My comedy is really, I did a set two weeks ago. It was an hour set and it was three stories. Yeah. I know what you mean. You know? Yeah. So to do, to hop on stage and just have a 20 minute set and do one story in town is risky because a lot of times I feel like you almost, I need the first 10 minutes of my, of my act for you to get to know me. Does that make sense? uh, Totally. They're different skill sets, though. Yeah. And that's what it took me a while to realize, is that, you know, I really only care about how my hour goes. You know, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm working on. So that's why that rep means the most to me. Doing an hour is because that's what I do. All of a sudden, when you switch back into a 15-minute or 20-minute set, it's, it's not that it's, you can't get anything out of it. It's just that that rep almost doesn't even apply to what you normally do. It's like working on wind sprints when you always run marathons, right. you know, and you're like, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't do that that often. So were you, I was a terrible and still am. This is why like when people go, do you want to do Fallon? I'm like, I don't, I'm a terrible five minute comic. Oh, I don't, I don't think that's my, yeah. Me neither. not my forte. I think if five minutes at Fallon and I, I think I would shit the bed because I'm just not. Yeah, it's, it's not I, my thing. I, 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 I learned to really respect the skill. Yeah. I see it again as like a skill set, you know? I mean, I, remember, I, I felt like I was pretty good at doing 20 for a long time, but that's because that's all I did. Yeah. Because you could do 20 in town, and then if you're a feature act, you're doing 20 minutes all the time. So you, you end up being really good at it. If you go then do just hours all the time, and then go back to doing 20, you're not going to be as, as good as you used to be at doing it, you know? You know what? I, I took a job once to really try and make that part of my skill set better. I took a job writing for Jeff Foxworthy on um, Are You Smarter Than Fifth Grader? Mm-hmm. Because in that, I needed he needed to look, be able to read a question, yeah. and be able to tell a joke. Yeah, It was such a strange... 
for me, such a strange way to write because mm-hmm. it needed, it was set up punch, set up punch. I'd yeah. never written like that before. It was a great experiment for me. That's great. I ended up getting a little better and it, you know what it did help me in? It helped me in because in the long stories, I don't know what, how you do it. So for what I do it, the first three times I tell a story, I tell it on stage exactly the way it went. Right. Just to see what works naturally and what works that was real yeah. and what needs a little push, right? Yeah. And so, but after that show, writing punchlines for my stories, it really helped that skill set. I, I, I hadn't had that skill set before. Writing for that show helped tell the, helped the story. Because I had to write punchlines for him, yeah. set up punchlines. And I had yeah. never written punchlines per se like that. So I, I had a chance to then look at my own stories and go, oh, there, I could throw Would you actually there. then write out those stories or no? Like, do you write them out? I'm not good at that. Yeah, I don't do that either. You know what that ends up doing for me, and I don't know about you, when I write, when I type something, it, it, I write the way I would want to read something off of a page. And not how you speak. Not how I speak. Yeah. Do you do this? Is that the same thing for you? Yeah. I don't, I talk, I just speak and then, you know, sometimes I'll listen. Yeah. But I don't actually write it out on, on paper because so the, the closest I've come is to write a little bit of what I'm hearing in the recording. Yeah. So that I'm, I'm staying true to how I speak because otherwise I will write differently than how I speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And, and also, I find when I write it and I speak it back, it sounds memorized as opposed to natural. Right. Because then I, in my head, I go, did I get all those words? Yeah. Instead of just kind of... Storytelling is like this totally weird... It's a different thing that like just, you know, for me, it just developed over time, right? I didn't yeah. plan on doing that. But then it is... It, I mean, I keep saying it, but it is like a... It's a different, it's a different muscle. I feel like podcasts... Yeah. has really opened that up for those of us who tell stories. Definitely. Because people are okay with listening to a longer form. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not I'm I obviously am not I don't I would never use this as an excuse. But also it doesn't have to be how many jokes per minute you get there. Yeah. How many jokes? If it's an entertaining story mm-hmm. and you have punches in there, it used to be you needed a certain amount of jokes per minute or per whatever, right? Rapid fire. Right. And yeah. this allows those of us who like telling stories to tell an interesting story that has payoff and jokes and, but it doesn't have to be rapid fire. Yeah. It's more natural. You find that to be true? Totally. And I think audiences, well, you know, comedy is always changing. Yeah. It feels like to me that that lane is growing wider. I agree. And, and more popular that people are enjoying that more. The and, storytelling. Form. Yeah. I agree. And, and the natural, the conversational form of, of performing yep. where when it's, more deliberate and not conversational where they almost feel like this is kind of weird mm-hmm. like that you're putting them on or something you know it's isn't it interesting you know and i i hate to give credit for this but do you know what i think started a lot of the naturalistic in in tv too like the way cameras are held and shaky like the way you're li- reality tv oh reality tv in an odd way mm-hmm. made us all want real real in quotations but just the way people talk. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, I hate weird. to give it credit for anything. Yeah. That and, and then the podcast world. Podcast world, huge. This podcast has drawn in so many comedy fans. Yes. That they're used to hearing you talk like this. Yeah. You know, so if you get up there and you're just like really into the material performance, that's also like, it's different. They're like, huh. But if you go up there and you're like, just telling a story. Yeah. And it can be obviously like very fleshed out, but just the way that you present it feels casual 
those obviously like they work better with those audiences. Yeah, you know, I, I recently told a story for the first time uh, when I was living in one bedroom raising three kids off of $1,100 a month. Jesus Christ. I got a job um, as a 976 phone sex. No. Well, when I went in, okay, so I saw the ad that said... Um, I'm just going to sit back. Okay. I saw the ad that said, uh, you know, $45 an hour, set your own hours. And I was like, oh, that's perfect for me because I need to be able to set my own hours because when the kids are at school or whatever, I need to make some money. And if I can work three hours and make 135 bucks, look, I was, that was two catering shifts, right? So I was like... But I didn't say what. So I go in, and you know when you go into an audition or you go into a, a job, yeah. uh, you look around at the waiting room and you go, okay, to try to get your finger on what you're auditioning for or mm-hmm. what the job is. But it was like an old Asian woman. It was like a, some young dudes, some older dudes, some you know Mexicans. It was like everything. Yeah. And I was like, this what is, is like, this? Yeah. yeah. I walk in and the guy, we were talking for a little bit, and he finally said to me, do you have any idea why you're here? I go, I really don't. I know it's flexible hours and $45 an hour. He goes, this is a phone sex line. And he goes, is that a problem? And I was thinking, I am happy to talk to some horny housewives for a little while. Yeah. That sounds outstanding, right? Right. So, and he goes, the next question was, okay, did you, anything off limits? I go, no. He goes, nothing's off limits to talk about. I go, no. And he said, you'll talk about anal. I go, yeah, I don't mind talking a little anal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so he goes, when do you want to start? I go, I'll start right now. My kids are at school, so if I could make some money today, that'd be great. And he was like, okay. And he goes, we got to think of a name for you. And I go, okay. He goes, I'd go with Steve. It's kind of manly. And I go, okay. So we sit down. I'm giving you the kind of a truncated version. No, I'm so into this. Okay. So we sit down. And the guy goes, do you mind if, um, can you leave the door open? I just want to hear your first call. And I go, yeah, no problem. And I was kind of teasing him. I go, don't get hard on me. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He's like, no worries. Yeah. So uh, we got uh-huh. guy calls, and um, I'm like, "Hi, this is Steve," and he's like, "Hey, this is Dave," and I go, "Hold on a second, it's a guy." You know, I kind of covered the phone. Yeah. I told the guy, "I go, it's a guy," and he goes, "I know," and I go, well, "What am I supposed to do?" He goes, "Did you think women were going to be calling you?" And I yeah. go, "What?" He goes, "Not one woman's going to call you." I said, "Why not?" And he goes, "Do you think women need to call a nine seven? This is." For dudes. Dudes call. Dude. Yeah, dudes yeah. call. Yeah. And he goes, is that going to be a problem? And I will tell you something about me that I've told people a million times. Look, I can tell you I don't like something, but I'm the guy who's like, who has always said, I don't know for sure I don't like it until I yeah. do it. Yeah. Right? There have been tons of things where I'm like, I'm going to hate that. And I do it. And I'm like, I fucking really like that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I'll try it. And he goes, okay. He was like, get back. This was, it was like a little pep tie. He was like, get back in there. I was like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, hey, what's going on? And he says to me, what, we have a little talk, and he says, what are you wearing? And I was so thrown. I just told him what I was actually wearing. Yeah. I said, I'm wearing jean shorts and a T-shirt. And he was like, jean shorts? <laughs> nice. <laughs> he did not like the jean shorts. No. no. He was like, jean shorts, are they, I mean, are they extra short? I'm like, well, you know, they go down on the knee or whatever, a little baggy. And the guy... The guy who was outside the office goes, he signaled to me to put my hand over the phone. I put my hand on the phone. He goes, that's not baggy jean shorts over the knees. He was like, think about it if you're talking to a woman. He goes, you got to sex it up. I go, okay. So I say to him, I go, <laughs> I go, uh, <laughs> what, this is a quote. 
What's your dick doing right now? <laughs> yeah. I'm apparently nobody ever asked that dude what his dick uh, was doing uh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> but he did. He, he paused. He goes, I got a rock hard cock right now. Nice. And he goes, you? I go, yeah. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, I got, a, I got a rock hard cock right now too. Mm-hmm. And this is when I knew the job wasn't for me. He goes, was your dick out? And I go, out of what? And he was like, is it out of your pants? And I was like, oh, yeah. It's out of my pants. (laughs) (laughs) And then what ended up happening was the dude got super aggressive. And I I got... Which way? Your collar or your boss? Collar got super aggressive. He was like, listen. He was like talking about, I'm going to grab your throat. And And I was like, this is what it feels like to be a woman right now. Like, I honestly felt like... This is like, I felt nervous and I, I did It makes that. you empathize, right? When yes. You, yeah, yeah. I did the one call and I told him, I can't do this. I go, dudes are animals. He was like, yeah. He was like, that's not even the most aggressive guy you'll Dude, ever hear. So if I'm, I'm, I'm telling a story on stage right now, a bit, not, I didn't work at a 900, yeah. about what pigs men are and my experience of going to a porn store like years ago uh-huh. and just how... The guy took me through the store and how and then showed me glory holes, and you know it was like you can get your dick sucked in there. And I was so naive, young and naive. Yeah. I was like, "Is it a girl in there?" And he was like, "What? Like, <laughs> you think girls wait yeah. in glory hole booths for guys?" And I was like, "I don't get." It. He's like, "No, it's always guys." Yeah, guy. And then, but it, how it just shaped like what pigs, like men are, and even how, even to the point where women. Who become pigs? <laughs> Pardon the term, yeah. but like just sexual maniacs. Really, I think for the most part, become so to satisfy a man at some point. Like their inclination wasn't to be yeah. that hardcore. It was a man that you know was like, I like fucking choking and yes, that the girl developed that. Because of a guy, you know, and maybe, yeah, maybe she enjoys it, all that for sure. But a dude got her to do these things, you know. That's what I took away from what I, the the whole thing I took away from is that I didn't, I I had never, the light had never been shined so brightly that guys are fucking. Oh my God. Aggressive pigs. Such pigs, man. Crazy. And that's, it really is like, it sounds almost cliche in the stand up world to be like, Guys are like this, and girls, and we're different. But look, that's one of those things where I don't think women will ever understand how guys are, are built in that regard. Listen, and, and I'm not saying that I jerk off in every room that I go into, but almost every room I go into, I think, I could probably make it happen in here. Yeah. Not that I would. Yeah. Not yeah. that I jerk off yeah. in like the Target, yeah. but I think to myself, push came to shove. Could I jerk off in Target? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And so women are never thinking, could I rub one out in, in just tires? No. Do you know what I mean? I, I make those jokes to my wife all the time. She's like, Jesus. Yeah. You know, like I'm, that's when I, I'm caught off by like, even in the joke, like I'm not really doing it, but I'll joke so much about it. Yeah. She'll be like, man, like no one's thinking that right now. You know, she'll make that point to me like, yeah, women don't think like that. But every uh, guy in here is thinking. Yeah. I could rub one out in the in the bathroom at Firestone, and nobody would ever know. Absolutely. Speaking of dudes who are pigs, I have to ask you because this came up today on my Facebook timeline. Yeah. Why 
and because you know Woody Allen's son Ronan put out another uh-huh. uh, uh, article. I today. like that. That's the segue to pigs. Tell me something. <laughs> Why does this dude get a fucking free pass? Uh, it's because he's a great artist. Uh, I've, yeah, but 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 okay. Here's the but thing. But that but I I'm not supporting it. I really think I, I'm blown away. I've always been more blown away by. Um, What's his name? I just blanked on his name. The dude who uh, went to Europe? Yeah. Roman Polanski. Polanski. Like, Polanski, if you think about his crime, which is, he doesn't deny the crime. He de- he's upset about what was promised and then what was broken. Right. It's, it always blew my mind that if you strip away who he is and you just say, hey, you know Kevin, the guy that yes. works at the fucking guitar store? He got a girl, like, a, gave her a couple of drinks. She's 13, and he fucked her in a hot tub. Then people would be like, that guy's a piece of shit, rightfully so, and none of us, sh- like, he should be locked up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all association with that guy is over. Maybe yeah. his family, you know, and a couple of close people will... Stick like, up for him. It, but that, it's just done with Kevin, you know? But because he makes great movies... You, people go like, dude, the guy's fucking... It. Not only do they support him, but like Hollywood is like, he's an amazing, amazing guy. And they, they lift him up and they, they actually feel badly that a judge had promised him something and the, they say, what a you know, poor guy and how dare you speak poorly of him. Yeah, but... And by the way, I sent out a tweet today about Woody Allen, which was, if your neighbor married his stepdaughter... <laughs> If your neighbor married the the girl that yeah. you saw him raise mm-hmm. for her entire life, divorced your friend who is your neighbor, and then married that daughter, you'd be like, "What a uh, fucking pig!" Yeah. Look, if if your neighbor invited, and I said that I would say that about Michael Jackson too. Yeah. If your neighbor invited oh eight year olds over for sleepovers, it's you'd be insane. like, "Hey, listen, we're not trick or treating no, at Mike's no. house this week." Do you know no. what I mean? Like, but for me, with Woody Allen. Here's what gets me the most, because you know the industry we're in, and you know most of the people in our industry skew so far left. Yeah, yeah. And to see these hypocrites, look, to me, you can't speak out against Donald Trump if you're in a pedophile's movie. To me, and I know it seems like a big jump, but what, what, what are you really taking a stand on? Right? Yeah, yeah. What do you take? Where's your stand? And so for me, like, to, to, have, all, uh, to have him still be so revered it blows my fucking by women too. It's um, I know you know part of it. It's like and the the thing is you know people I don't know how many people know know this, but it's also that where the accusers are your children and and you know I mean like it's one thing to have an ex wife, yeah. but your own children are the ones being like no no, no my dad's a piece of shit. And people are like, nah. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's did you see did you see his latest movie? It's it was amazing. You've seen Annie Hall? It's it, fucking great. Yeah. No. That's the thing. Like, so for me, I, I don't understand a lot of it is look, obviously celebrity, but people believe whatever persona they decide they do that they whatever persona your favorite your person is putting out there that's yeah. what you're believing it also goes to like the, i think it's some it speaks to something about you eventually you have to separate and people do separate what you know about somebody and especially with artists the art that they 
produce. Yeah. Especially if it's, and also if it's commercially successful, it's a whole other level because then you're generating money. Yeah. But, you know, I know things about like certain comedians and you go like, great comic, not, so, not, so, not such a great person. And then I go, you know what? I don't want to be like that dude as a person, but does it, you know, does it mean that his comedy is not good or something? You know what I mean? Like you start to think about like, yeah, but okay. No, I know it's, it's not the same exact, I know it's not the same thing, yeah. but it, I actually was thinking about, and this is even a further leap out. I was thinking about the, um, the, the president of, uh, Chick-fil-A. Remember that? Yeah. And like, he came out like against gay marriage or, yeah. and, and people were like boycotting. But one of the things I real I thought about back then was besides the fact that it's a privately held company, so a guy who runs it can say whatever he wants. Yep. Um, what if we knew the personal opinions of other CEOs and presidents on a host of topics and how that would affect you? We, we he just happened to be right. public about it. Right. But and you just happened to not know what the CEO of, of AT&T thinks of. You know what I mean? Of of uh, yeah, whatever. Hey, by the way, the CEO of AT and T, I know for sure, hates Asians. There you go. I know that. It's, really? Yeah. It's well known. Yeah, yeah. The the AT and T stands. Oh, I was going to think of Asian something, but I can't can't break down the acronym <laughs> that quickly. <laughs> I was tr- I was trying to acronym it yeah. while we were talking, yeah. and it didn't happen for me. Well, you know, I appreciated the effort. <laughs> I was here for you. Uh, but you're right. But I will tell you something else. Like, and even though I disagreed with the dude, the Chick Fil A dude, right? I am of the opinion everybody is entitled to whatever they want to believe. America, this is what like you can't just say you're you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as you believe what I believe. That's what a lot of people like to to, to say though. But you know, what? and also chicken is delicious. That sandwich is fucking great. With- I'm not gonna stop eating that for your fucking gay <laughs> marriage. By the way, those protests lasted two weeks, and then people were like, this is too good. I'm the sorry. Sauce. The fucking sauce. <laughs> this is too good. I'm sorry. I, I, I really want to support you, but I can't. Bro, I, get married, but I'm still eating this chicken, man. Yeah. Like, do you mind if I, I'll tell you what, to make up for it, I will cater your gay marriage with Chick-fil-A sandwiches. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is delicious. You go to Chick-fil-A? Oh, yeah. I mean, not all the time, but yeah. it's like, yeah. They open one. Now there's a few. Uh, West Coast ones, but it wasn't here for a long, long time. No, that so Dunkin' Donuts. See it on the, yeah, I used to see it, you know, I was in North Carolina or in, in Atlanta. Obviously, they're, they're all over. Yeah. Every time I would go, I was like, fuck, man, this shit is amazing. So good. Well, you said, like, when you go on the road, you said the food is your thing. Oh, totally, man. Do you do, I kind of, this is what I do when I go to a city. I'll ask, and I usually ask a cab driver. Yeah. Because they kind of take me to a restaurant some place that is so unique to this city. Some place. Do you ever do stuff like that? I, I do. I don't. I mean, I don't normally ask the drivers. I'll just do my research and and I'll try to find like the foodie spot, right? Like the, you know, the the restaurant that that I don't know that would be featured on a on a show. Yeah. Where pe- people talk like the 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 place that has unique, like basically what you're looking for. Right. If if a city doesn't have that, I'll always try to find either the best steakhouse. Or the best French place. Can you think of a place in a city that you stumbled upon that, that is one of those foodie places? Oh, totally. What, yeah. like, what, can you think well, of one I, for sure that like, sticks I talk out? about it all the time, and I just I plugged them when I was on TV. I made a vlog about them, uh, the Greenhouse Tavern in Cleveland. I've never been. Uh, it's like if you're staying at the Hyatt, yeah. which is right there, and you walk in, let's say, to Hilarities, yeah. it's across from Hilarities. 
So if you oh, walk I out, I do know where that is. Yeah, it's right there. It's on East Fourth Street. Yeah, and that's one of those places where it's like, oh my god, this is a uh, this. It's just it's one so of good, those, so good. You know, in Denver, if you go to Denver and you're playing downtown Comedy Works, one of the best clubs in the oh, world, in the world, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, that street, which is uh, I think, is it Larimer? Yep. Um, on the street alone, like Rioja. Uh, a couple other places. They're all owned by this woman. It's a it's a it's a chef who's a, uh, I forget her name. Yeah, and she owns like seven of, on that street uh, no, in Denver. But on the street alone, she owns three or four, and they're totally different styles. Yeah, but she's just one of these. You know, that street is a good. There's like a bookstore coffee shop on that street that I always go in there and the restaurants on that street are outstanding. Yeah. Do you know in Cleveland on that street, that Pickwick, mm-hmm. the, the, the son who you met today, he saw someone get shot and killed on that street. When we, on that street? Oh my God. Okay. So we were... Jesus. Okay. So uh, people know, like my son is not uh, shy about saying that he has his weed card because he's old enough. I bumped into him in my weed store. Did you really? It was. That's in, how you found out? I knew before, but when I asked him, I go, what are you doing in here? He goes, I think I'm doing the same thing you're doing. <laughs> but so we were, and, and we don't, it's weird. Yeah. I'd love your opinion on this. You know, when I got to be 21, my dad would have a beer with me. Yeah. Right? Sure. But for whatever reason, I won't smoke with my son, even though it's legal. I totally get that. I what, totally why, get that. What do you think that, like, I, for whatever reason, I can't cross that barrier? It's a, it's a barrier. I mean, look, I respect somebody that does do that. Yeah. But, you know, I do, my opinion is that as close as you can be with, like, a, fa- like a father and son can yeah. be, and you guys can be really, really close, ultimately, you're still the father, and it's your son. You're yeah. not, you know, you can be like, this is my best friend, but he's not your peer, right? you know, it's your son. But why so, is the beer different than the weed? It feels different, doesn't it? Yeah, it does feel different. I don't know, man. Maybe there's like, maybe that's, that'll change. Maybe yeah. something psychological as far as like that, you know, we grew up in a time where, you know, we're older now, but when we grew, were growing up, that shit was so illegal. And like, you know, people got found, were found with joints and went to prison. So, so maybe it's just part of our mind of like, this is not an acceptable social, you know, relaxation. uh, It's interesting because I, well, he asked me, he was like, I don't understand why he said it's legal. I go, yeah, I just can't do it. I said, and listen, I don't have, I would rather have him smoke than drink my preference. uh Okay. But, um, so I'm not stopping them and all that, but I got to draw the line somewhere. Maybe it's something just like being stoned with your kid, you know? I don't know. It's like, well, here's the thing. When we were in Cleveland, mm-hmm. I had eaten an edible. Yeah. And I could tell looking at his eyes that he probably had to. Mm-hmm. So we're up in, you know, where the, the Hyatt, it's a beautiful hotel. Yeah, it's though. beautiful. So, but we were, we had a room that overlooked the alley, right? So mm-hmm. we could look right out the, yeah. and so that bowling alley there. Also, right near there serves quesadillas. So we go upstairs into the room of the Hyatt, and I'm like, I'm fucking starving. He goes, me too. I don't want in this room service. He goes, no, I'm going to go downstairs and get some quesadillas. Do you want one? I go, yeah, I'll take one. He goes, you want? I go, do you want me to come? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I'll go down there. So he goes down there, and about five minutes later, I just hear, pow, 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 pow. And I, it was the slowest walk to a window because I was like, that was right outside this window. Like, I know that's... That those shots mm-hmm. came from where he is. Yeah. So I look down and I look across the alley. That's where the dead people are, dead person, and the other person's laying down. 
and the quesadilla is right across the alley from there. And there are people sprinting all over. So I call my son. I go, hey. He goes, yeah. I go, you okay? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, you got to come up here. He goes like, well, I got to wait for the quesadilla. <laughs> and I said, no, you don't. He goes, dad, Dude. I'm waiting for the quesadilla. He said, not only that, everybody who was here ran out. I've got like nine people's orders. I'm coming up with the mother load. He came up not only with our quesadillas, but with all these orders, like people ran away and the people were like, yeah, you can have them. With yeah. like four full bags of Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> you know the most impressive part of that? That is he that, didn't run? Well, yeah, because, because you suspected he was high, that like that paranoia didn't, he actually like did one of those highs where you stayed calm. He floated above got, it. Yeah, and was like, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah. all kinds of weird shit going on down there. But <laughs> so we're laying there, right? And he's in his bed and I'm in mine. And uh, I look at him, I go, you, saw, you just saw someone get shot. He goes, crazy, right? And I was like, crazy, right? Yeah, insane. So we find out the next day that one of the people died. Damn, dude. It was insane, man. This happened to me one time where we used to live at MacArthur Park, right? Yeah. When was that? This was uh, 2007 and eight. And actually nine, I think. Can yeah. you explain to people who are listening who, what MacArthur Park is? It's called the Rampart Division. Yeah. If you ask LAPD, uh, <laughs> um, it's a it's you know it's a high crime, high drug area, um, and it's yeah you know, we lived there. We lived in in an apartment that was a it was a one bedroom, and I think it was one of those things where we didn't real we knew it wasn't good. We didn't realize how bad we had it because. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just, we're, we're both like adapters, my wife and I. Like, you just give us the thing and we just go into it, you know? Yeah. I remember when she looked at the apartment, I didn't really even understand that neighborhood. She, she was, it's cool to live here, right? Because we were not even living together then. We were dating. Mm-hmm. I go, I mean, it seems fine, you know? She was like, yeah. And then I moved in with her a little while later and then I was like, oh, this shit sucks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, like, there was a lot of gang activity but they didn't ever fuck with you if you were white, you know, because the gang activity was... Is that true? Yeah, totally. Well, they were always fuck with each other, you know? Maybe if you were Latin, they would fuck with you. Right. Because the gang activity was always Mexicans and El Salvadorian. It's an El Salvadorian neighborhood, uh-huh. predominantly. So 18th Street Gang, MS-13, those guys, they're all about, you know, killing each other. So, and then at night... The, the the MacArthur Park would just become zombies. People looking for heroin, you know, heroin addicts. And they sell it in the park. In the park, yeah. That's where people go to score heroin. Is it a mix of crack and heroin, or was it like? Yeah, I think so. But I think it was a, it was more of a heroin mm-hmm. neighborhood. Um, and then like it was just it was little El Salvador. It was just you know crazy with with uh, we get packed on Sundays. I remember it was just all these like festivities. But then part of living there was. Uh, Every night, I'm not exaggerating, every single night, LAPD choppers would fly around the building and you would see them shine their lights into our room, you know, like into everyone's room. But uh, every night we would have that. And I was like, man, this is crazy, you know, <laughs> that we're always having this light shown yeah. <laughs> into our room. So whatever. But we all, like, like I said, you know, it was like... A, Did you ever see anything crazy? Well, I saw, you know some little bullshit, but one of the craziest things that ever happened was, so this apartment, you know, it was fine. It was, uh, there was a gate so you could, you had secure parking uh-huh. and you'd park tandem. 
I remember parking in front of behind each other. So annoying every yeah. time someone's got to leave. If you're behind, them. always the person who's yeah in front has to has to leave. With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Just take my car. <laughs> so, so we lived in this apartment, um, and one day, you know, I'm sitting at home, I'm alone, and I'm jerking off. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch because, by the way, when guys are alone, it's mostly what we do. We jerk off. Yeah, we jerk off yeah. a lot. I'm sitting there. I have my laptop open sitting on my lap right and i'm and i got like my, my my shorts down no i know how it works you know how it works <laughs> so i just didn't know if you'd ever done it before yeah, no, so. I, i'm familiar with the process got it okay so uh i'm watching and as i'm sitting there i hear like kaboom it sounded like a fucking grenade had gone off right outside the window Right, because I had a we were third story right. corner unit. There's like a little balcony. Mm-hmm. It sound I, I'm not exa- it sounded like a grenade had gone off on the balcony. So with porno playing and my dick out, I jump face forward onto my boner, right onto the floor because it, it's so loud that it's just a reaction. Like I, you know, it'd be like if uh, you hear it here and you just fall over. Yeah. you know, I just fell forward. And then, and then, like, you know, it takes me a couple seconds to, to gather myself. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And I look, and I don't see anything out the window. So I immediately have the phone. I call Jose, was the building manager. He's the guy that basically he lives in the building, and his rent's free because he's yes takes yeah, care yeah. of things. Jose from New York. And I go, uh, I go, Jose. And he goes, yeah. I go, did you fucking hear that? Hear what? I go, dude, it sounded like a goddamn cannon went off. <laughs> No, I'm in the garage. And I go, dude, that was the loudest fucking thing I'd ever heard. I, you, you really didn't hear that? Uh-uh. All right, man. Hang up the phone. Less than five minutes later, my phone rings. What's up? He's like, hey, I just talked to somebody. Somebody got shot right outside. So that, that was the big noise you heard. <laughs> and I go, okay. And then I hang up. I find out, first of all, this is, this is the middle of what the day. What time of the day? Okay. 2.33 2 in the yeah. afternoon. Broad daylight. Prime jerk-off hours. Prime jerk-off hours when no one else is there to fuck yeah. with you. I found out a dude in a gang had walked up to somebody else and shot him in the head with a forty-five, right? A fucking hand cannon. That'll do the job. Yeah. Shot him in the head and then waited for the police to get there. Like it was a... That seems like a gang a initiation. Deep, more than an initiation, yeah. right? This is like you're paying your penance kind of thing, right? Like that's how much I love my gang. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill somebody and then do the life sentence. I don't know. That's pretty crazy to me, right? Yeah. So, so he had just shot the dude, broad daylight. Wait, of course the cops, I mean, they quarantine off this neighborhood like to the point where you can't even leave the neighborhood. Like... She couldn't come home. I couldn't leave for right. hours. I mean, they had every entrance and exit. And I'm like, you already got the guy. <laughs> <Let's> just, <laughs> yeah. Why let us go? There are two people involved in this. Yeah. One's dead. One's not going anywhere. And one of our last weekends in that neighborhood was, you could probably look, if you could look it up, it's like, a, there, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's news stories about it. There was a, a drunk guy who was crossing 6th Street and... El Salvadorian guy Mm -hmm. and he pulled out a knife and the cops lit him up like one of those things where they shot him 74 times yeah one of those things yeah so then there were protests which 
protests developed into, you know, kind of mini riots. Yeah. So that weekend, like after that was happening, instead of one chopper, we went out on the roof and we were counting like 10, How 12. long, how many more years did you stay down there? Well, we stayed there a total. She moved in there, I think, in the beginning of 07, and we moved out in 2010. So, so you were there a year after the shootings. You stayed. Yeah. I have a couple questions for you. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> How long did you stay hard after the kaboom? I, I a, lost it. It's a fair it. question. I lost it, but uh-huh. I was able to regain it pretty quickly. Because you know? you're no quitter. I'm not a quitter. <laughs> and I, you know. Yeah. This I'm is, a, look, I'm a big guy, but I can stay hard, man. You know, I know a lot. Of, does some, that change with the size of the person? I've heard pe- people have messaged me like, dude, lose some weight and your erections will come back. I go, come back? They've never left. Wait, so they're saying, I guess, it's a bl- your dog is just licking my pants. Yeah. It's fine. Um, what, what, uh, wh- why? Is I, it a blood, must be a blood flow situation. I think if you're, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to say the, like, Obese. the number, but if you're like, yeah, if you're maybe really lay around, right. you know, really overweight, it probably erection could be an issue, but I think that I've never had any issue with it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I think so that you're a, you're a lean dude. Well, I am now. I God, look dropped you. a ton of weight, dude. I'm not Come happy on. about it. What's your What's your heaviest? Uh, one ninety four. <laughs> really? Yeah. And what do you weigh now? One sixty seven. Holy shit, man! Yeah. Wow. Oh well. Yeah, but this was the pre-diabetic scare, and it was just one of those things that... And listen, do you know, I, I honestly, what it was for me, dude, is I have never felt... When, when the doctor said to me, I've never that felt... you could lose your erections. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to have to get healthy. Yeah. Listen, I don't care about how long I live, but however long I live, I'm going to have to be hard. Yeah. I don't know what I would do, because as a man... Your so much of your identity, yeah, is is curled up in that. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. I think the only way you can you could ever deal. First of all, everyone's you know different, but there's psychology. Some people are built just their whole identity is just sex. Yeah, I think the only way that you could probably deal with that would be if because you're thinking of somebody with your sex drive. But what if chemically, right, that wasn't there? That's the only way I, I think that that could but, be. One of the things, and I and I know this just because you know I I have spoken to women who've tried the IVF, right, mm-hmm. and um, and when it wasn't successful for them, you know, there uh, when I, I interviewed one woman who was like, it's just that even though it's not spoken and even though it's it's never said out loud, mm-hmm. for a lot of women, at the core of our beings, we know that this is what our body is supposed. to to be able to do. Yeah. It's one of the things that separates us, obviously, men and women, is this is what your body can do. Yeah. And when your body can't do it anymore, or never maybe could do it, it takes a chunk away from you. I, I yeah. Right? Yeah. So it, I don't mean to equate having babies <laughs> jerking off, yeah. but for a guy, one of our things, this is what we do, we're associated with a fucking hard cock. Yep. And if that doesn't happen, like I can only imagine that that really fucks with you a little bit. It, I, I talked to my, my, um, my dad has some, you know, he's older and he has some older friends that are older than him. Mm-hmm. And he said that guys have confided in him, you know, that it is 
psychologically traumatizing to them. Do you know my mother called me once? And she said... Um, How hard's your cock? Yeah. <laughs> Is your cock out? <laughs> <laughs> out of what, Mom? <laughs> well, when he said out... I meant like, is it out of sperm? Like, right. is he out? Is it is it tapped out? You is empty it, it? Is it out? <laughs> Dude, just get starved. My jean shorts are super snug. <laughs> my mom called once and she said, "This was years ago. My grandfather was still alive." And she said, hey, "I got to ask you a question." I go, "What's up?" And she goes, "What kind of porn do you watch?" And I go, "Oh my god, what?" I go, "I'm not comfortable talking about this." She goes, "Listen, I'm not comfortable asking you." She said, "But grandpa, my grandfather." Mm-hmm. Is Mike get kicked out of the nursing home? I said, why? She said, he's, she's, he's sexually, uh, you know, a little aggressive with some of the nurses. And turns out that a lot of, like, they encourage you to get the older men porn because they still have to have a release somewhere. Sure. And if they don't, it's, it's directed towards the nurses. Now, there's a couple things. One, I said... I'm a little offended that you think me and grandpa are looking at the same porn. Like, I don't know. I have three brothers, so I don't know why you chose me. Because yeah. you were like, who looks at the same porn as my as granddad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So grandpa's jerking off to one piece bathing suits. You yeah, know? Like, he's you can see her back completely. He takes off his special, you know, his fedora when he jerks off, or maybe he jerks off with it on. Spice it up. Yeah, that's what I. I have to tell you, like that generation of men is is like it's a different. Did you know your, your grandfather's still alive? No, I I knew one. I didn't know the other one. It's such a you know I, I such a gentleman, dude. That's the such word, a gentleman, 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 he, gentleman, gentleman. You know, he wore a coat. He Everywhere. wore a coat at home, like a and 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 he. My dad was saying like. Oh, yeah, on Sundays, you always wear a coat and tie. I'm like, where? And he goes, just around the house. I'm like, what? A coat yes. and tie around the house? When, if my grandfather was leaving his bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, they always wore an undershirt. Mm-hmm. But he made sure there was a button-down shirt over, over. his... If he oh, left yeah. his... Now, in the bedroom, he would take his button-down shirt off, and he could wear his undershirt. Mm-hmm. Outside of that bedroom, he looked like a gentleman, yeah. no matter what. My dad said that his father, he, he's, like, he's like, my dad never raised his voice to my mother like ever he would see that as just an insane thing to do he said uh you know he always called her peaches yeah because he was southern yeah yeah yeah. peaches and then he's like i mean he didn't let my mother do anything so like the whole thing was that he was her caretaker yeah you know like he's like my mother didn't know how to put gas is that right yeah and he goes, I absolutely had no idea how because my dad... Do you, know, you consider yourself a feminist? I never really thought in those terms, you know, but I'm, I'm so big on the like, equality for yeah. women... Me too. ...that I, I suppose I am without I declaring it. I think the definition, and I don't have it, I think the definition is somewhere in the realm of basically equal. Yeah. Equal. Which I'm all for. I'm all for yeah. too. It's interesting, right? So I would consider my grandfather to be a gentleman. And along the same lines, he did. He provided. Mm-hmm. He, But, you know, when you say your grandmother didn't know how to do, right? It's like a different mind because I think my grandfather loved my grandmother more than anything in the world. Would I consider him to be a feminist? 
I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't hate women. He didn't belittle women. He didn't think they were less than. Right. But he also did take care of... You know, I opened a door recently for... It was in New York, for a woman in New York. And she said, I don't need you to do that for me. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. understand. Listen, if I was walking ahead of you and you were behind me, I would hold it for you. Yeah. It's just common courtesy. It's just, uh, you know, those guys, I mean, first of all, you know, our granddads come from different generations. Right. I think they see all that stuff that they're taking care of as an act of love. I don't think it's I like a, a demeaning or like, uh, yeah. let me help you because you're stupid. You're a dumb broad. I think they're just, you know, really <laughs> yeah. doing it out of love. This shit with, you know, don't hold the door for me. You know, all right, don't let it hit you in the fucking face. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's ridiculous, man. I, I, it's funny, you know, um, it's also, it's interesting to hear now, there are a lot of def- different definitions now of how people want to, what they want to call feminism. The best thing about, though, the, the world that we live in is that everybody can f- basically find somebody that, they align with yes and that's really all you know that lady who doesn't want the door held open for her who definitely would not be someone i'd be interested in in spending time with right (laughs) is someone i'm not gonna spend time you know what i mean and she'll end up with somebody who maybe agrees with her on that and we don't have to hang out you know and we definitely won't hang out we won't hang out and and i married somebody who uh is you know a strong woman and Definitely, you know, champion of of all women's rights and equality, but at the same time, uh, ha- has some traditional views on things, yeah. and, and allows allows me, from my perspective, to be a guy around her. You know, and you know what's interesting? It, I guess I had never th- heard it said like that, but there is somebody for everyone. Yeah, and you know what? It seems to me that dating. Or maybe not dating, but at least finding somebody to have sex with it has never been easier in the world. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Oh, God. If yeah. I put something out on Craigslist that said, I am looking for a four foot two Italian with one arm yeah. who speaks Spanish, I bet you I'd get at least three people. You get hit up, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I really, I, I've said, I, I missed this. I dated for me and my personality yeah. in the wrong gen- I would have done so much better. In this generation. Why? Because I'm not, I was never a guy like, let's go hit a bar or let's go hit it. Like, I don't, I never pursued women that way. Yeah. I just end up staying home. I just wouldn't, I'm not like socially built that way, you know? I mean, like, I would end up with women who came after me. Uh, I, I didn't go out, but in, in, in these days, if I were like 22 and single with Tinder and oh. all this shit, like, and you're funny, so you have that. Like you can make people laugh, right? Send them a yeah. message. Yeah, that is the big one. Oh yeah, I, I think the t- Tinder to me is almost cheating. Like not not cheating, like but, but right. che- Like it seems so easy. Like I have friends who are on Tinder, and I, and like if I go into their city, it'll be like, all right, I was in Dallas. Yeah, it was a Saturday afternoon, and I said to my buddy, "Hey, you want to have lunch?" He goes, "Nah." Just hit this chick up on Tinder. We're gonna hook up. I'm like, it's twelve thirty. Can't believe it on man. a Saturday. And would they really hook up? Like they would. Yeah. So they're both like, we're down. They're like, just going to fuck. Wow, man. I mean, that. Can you imagine? Wow. Now I'm with you. Like I was never. I'm. I'm not good at walking up and talking. One of my. It was, sorry. It was, one of my best friends was so good at that, or like just it was so in his natural yeah. realm to do that that it was comical to me. 
Was he re- good at it too? Well, you know, he would. <laughs> it was like so cheesy to, to in my in yeah. my view to, to watch him do it, but he would he would get on base. You know, like he was. It was just one of those repetition things where <laughs> we would be at a bar. I would be there high enjoying music. Yeah, I'll talk to somebody, but I just wouldn't do the you know, the all systems go approach. Mm-hmm. He would, he would be like, I see this girl. And then I would stand, I would be staying like listening and you know, eavesdropping. He's like, damn girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I feel, I'm, she's like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm a lot better now that I'm talking to you. And I was like, oh my God. That sounds then, like the worst. It, and that, but I think for a hookup, that's who you, you, end up with somebody right. who responds to shit like that. You're not going to marry that girl. Right. But you also though, like, you know, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but you have to be, you have to have a closer's mentality. Like you have to yeah. have very short memory because yeah. you have to be okay with getting rejected and not exactly. go back and sulk. Yes. And so for me, that's what I was not good at. Right. It was the, if I got shot down, oh, I was done for the night. Of course, man. I would never, yeah, I was exactly like you. I didn't have them. And that's the thing. One of the reasons I didn't take a lot of swings was because if I swung and missed, I was, my night was ruined. I'd be like, I'm just going home. Like, I feared rejection way too much too. Like to the point now, like older, I'm older now. I'm like, shit wasn't a big deal. But I think psychologically. It's interesting know, though. We chose these jobs even with a fear of rejection. Yeah. 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 Totally. Where you get rejected constantly. Yeah. For years. It's almost like you enjoy the abuse a, a little bit, you know? Where, where did you start doing stand up? Here. You started here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, this is a very tough city to start. But if you don't know any better, that's right. the only way that I would advocate doing it. Like I never, I'd never tell somebody to do what I did. Looking back now, what would, would you have? What, if you were starting now, would you just pick a big city, Chicago? If I knew everything I know now, I probably would. Yeah, I would pick. I mean, you know, I might go to Denver. Yeah, I like Denver. I, I pick cities that I actually enjoy the city too. Right. You know, I like Denver. I like Seattle. Uh, I That's why like I started. Was good. Yeah, yeah. I, and I like those cities, so I could see myself doing that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I feel like I always tell comics this on the road. I'm thinking about moving to L.A., and I'm like, "How good is your you know your material now? Oh, you know, I need to get better." I'm like, "Don't go. Yeah, don't go." Because I mean, if I could do it all over again, I think I would arrive in L.A. impressive. You think about people that have done that. Because what happens is everybody sees you for the first time. This is like capital of show business. Mm-hmm. And if you legit are good when you arrive, you will make waves. It happens. Yes. Know? Like that's what happens. People make waves. And the problem is, is that people hang on to memories. So this, They won't forget that for a while if you're not impressive. Yes. If yeah. you're not. That happened to me. That, really? I remember very well. Like I, the first time this casting woman saw me um, at the improv, and then, not kidding, five years later... We were trying to get into her office, and she was like, nah, I saw him. He's not that funny. And she said, when my agent him? was, when did you see him? And she said, and, and they were like, that was five years ago. Five years ago. But that's their impression. He's done a thousand spots. <laughs> yeah. 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 Literally yeah. a thousand spots. Yeah. Now, I, I, you know, one of the things I do- I like, think friends hold on to that, by the way, too. You think so? I do. You mean friends outside of the business? Yeah. Yes. Like people who like saw you your first year. Yeah. And then 10 years later, it'll be like, are you, you know, how's the, the jokes going? And you're like, um, yeah, it's kind of like a career. And they're does, like, does oh, that yeah. bother you at all? To, to a degree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
I would I, say I get it, bo- it. Like it doesn't bother me. Like I'm losing sleep over it. Right. And the truth is, when you you get at peace with it, and you go, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm not friends with. The, I, I didn't do this to satisfy that friend. But you you kind of understand that they'll those people don't get it. You know they'll 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 never get no. what you're doing anyways. You know. So it is kind of weird a little bit. Like I had a friend where uh, I told him I was playing some city. And he goes, who are you working with? Yeah, I, I get go, that all the time. I go, what do you mean? And he's like, I go, who, like, who's opening? He goes, aren't you opening? And I go, no, dude. You know I've been headlining for years. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, I didn't know that. I'm like, what? Like, you, you do know that, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> you do know that. I hate to tell you what you know, but that yeah. is something you are. Yeah. It's interesting to me because stand-up is... Uh, it's such a crazy, uh, especially in, it, it has a, holds a special spot in this business. Not, it's revered. You ask um, actors, or you ask uh, musicians, you yeah. ask people who are in this business. Yeah, and they they'll all say, "We have no idea how you do what, what you, you do. do." Yeah, what you do is amazing. But at the same time, it's also the one job that everybody kind of thinks they can do. Yeah, they kind of do. You know what I mean? It. Everybody 100%. is kind of like, "My good." I told a funny joke last week. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, and I have friends, too, who... You still doing that comedy thing? Do you mean my job? Yeah. My job. I had a guy ask me, how long are you going to keep doing it? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say it recently. Yeah. It was a few years ago. But I was like, what, dude? Like, do you, do you understand how fucking insulting that is? Yeah. Um, and I didn't say that to him, obviously, but I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I mean, you're just going to keep doing this? Yeah, man. Like, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. He just could. But there's also, I also realize that some people, like some, you know, civilians that aren't in this business, yeah, they think that, like, if you are, if you don't have a show on the air at all, you know, that they can tune into th- that night, that, you, like, you just are sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, you failed. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, one of my friends was like, it's cool, you got a special, but. Like, you didn't, no sitcom yet, huh? Like, that was his first comment. Like, no sitcom. And I'm like, what, dude? Like, why don't you just <laughs> celebrate the thing that's happening? Yeah, he's it's like, a special. Yeah, he's like, nah. Like, you, uh, how old were you when you started doing stand-up? I had just turned 23. Okay, and I read somewhere that you had also been, at some time in your life, been in a coma? Yeah, yeah. How old were you when you were in a coma? Uh, 18, 18 or 19, one of the two. Okay, and how did you end up in a coma? I went home uh, freshman year of college on the first break, Thanksgiving break, and I went to like a couple house parties, went to uh, you know a uh, bar like with everybody was celebrating on that Friday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So it was like almost like an unofficial reunion mm-hmm. with everybody that had gone to college and come home. I ended up taking some pills, uh, ecstasy pills, and then really what did me in was. I drank way too much GHB, which is, you know, like a, yeah. a party drug. You did GHB and a couple of E's. Well, but the real thing that did me in was drinking a ton of booze on top of that. Because it was the combination of alcohol, a lot of alcohol, right. and all those drugs that really did me in. And so, uh, can you take me, like, you just kind of went to sleep and didn't wake up? Or how did that... Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, the funny thing is, I, I have this thing where I'm always like polite and, and always don't want to offend. Yeah. And I, I heard a line in a movie once. It was, um, 
when they remade the gr- the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, I love. There's that. this great line, and I'm 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 saying great line without remembering the line correctly. Yeah. But the guy who plays the the villain, right? He's yeah. this Swedish actor, and he um he says something to Daniel Craig, and then Craig ends up coming in the house, mm-hmm. and he said something like, "Well, you know, in an effort." to not like in your fear of being impolite and offending, you went against your better judgment. Oh yeah. And he that, ended up in the, yeah. And that yeah. line always stuck with me. I'm like, Oh man, I feel like that always is my thing. Like, you know, I'll do something I don't want to do just to not offend, you know, just to like be polite. That can get you into a lot of fucking trouble, dude. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten better at it with it, with age, yeah. but I definitely think, uh, you know, in those terms. And when I was in this, I was in this, drug dealer's car at this party and i go how far in were you right now we've already taken a couple ecstasies i've taken the pills and i've had a couple drinks and Mm -hmm. i'm not high and i'm kind of frustrated that i'm not feeling it i'm like i don't feel shit and he goes i got some ghb and ghb we used to do it um in that's the one drug i think i that and heroin honestly i've never done what is that hand me that bottle right there this yeah so this is how we used to get ghb and what is it exactly it um I mean, exactly, you know, if you're getting pure GHB... Is it a euphoric feeling? Yeah. Okay. And and it's pretty immediate. And, you know, it could be used as an anesthetic. I mean, it it can... Oh, it's that heavy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But here's the amount we used to take. So you'd get it like this. It would be like kind of yellowish. And it tastes like ocean water, like salt water. Okay. So if you bought this much, this would be a ton. One hit... That's like... 16 ounces. Yeah. One hit would be a bottle cap. Oh, shit. So you'd go like that. Is it expensive? Yeah. Right. So a bottle cap, you'd hit it, and then within a couple minutes, you'd be like, we used to to say permagrin, because you're just like, you know, you feel high, you feel really high. (laughs) Yeah. You feel good everywhere. And... It's kind of like it's kind of a chill way to get high too, right? You just have a sip of something. Yeah. Like you don't have to smoke something. You don't. How have to... long are you high? I'm trying to remember, man. It's been so long, but I feel like you'd be definitely having a good time for a couple hours, you know. So it was right. it was a solid solid high. Um, and then people would tell you, you know, don't even then like don't don't mix. Uh, but obviously, you always push that, you know. Yeah. Because you'd you'd have a drink and be way higher. You're like, oh fuck! Like you're. If like, I have eight of them, I'm gonna yeah. be super high. So when I told this dude I wasn't feeling it, and I had already bought pills off of him, he was like, "Come to my car." And instead of having the water bottle, he had a milk carton. Oh shit! <laughs> and I literally didn't know. You know, you can imagine a milk carton's heavier. Yeah. And you can't pour it into because those are like the flat caps. Yeah. So he's like, just take a hit. I put it to my mouth and I realize that I have seven hits in my mouth. Yeah. So in an in an attempt to not be rude to the drug dealer, you swallow. I swallow it because my in my mind my options are, what am I going to spit it into his his huge, you know, yeah. dosage of it? No. Am I going to open the door and spit it out? He's going to be like, what the fuck? You right. Know? I mean, in, in retrospect, you would go, dude, I had too much. Like, what are you, you're not going to get in a fight over it, right? Yeah. So, but it, these are all millisecond thoughts. I just swallow it. Dude, when I swallow it, you know, within, within a minute or two, I'm fucking loaded. And I should now think about it. I had had a bunch of drinks by that point. But I end up having a few more. And 
I remember being pretty, pretty out of my mind. Yeah. And sitting on the patio of this bar, right? There was like a, a chair and I just sat down there and I remember my girlfriend at, at the time sat on my lap and then I just, I passed out. I just remember blacking out. And when I woke up, it was the next day and I was strapped down to a hospital bed. And what had actually happened was my older sister was at that bar and other people were doing like the whole, like, just let him sleep it off. Yeah. Like, don't. Because people were, is he all right? And they're like, he's fine. She was like, he's not fine. And she called 911. How long were you in a coma? Seven hours. And so what's the difference between being in a coma and being passed out? Um, I know that might sound like a stupid question. Well, you know, I had no ability to breathe on my own. That's a big difference. So I had a ventilator and a tube. No shit. Yeah, yeah. So So it it really, it took the anesthetic. To the extreme, it, it was just like shut you putting, down. It was sh- shutting me down. Yeah, it was shutting me down. And um, man, they you know they also had to, a tube going in my nose, down my throat, pumping liquid charcoal into my lungs because, or into my excuse me, into my stomach because I forget the you know liquid charcoal would be a great name for a punk band by the way. It's a fucking phenomenal name. It's my next album. Right? <laughs> like, liquid charcoal, I guess, has. Some component, I don't know, obviously, the science behind yeah. it, but it would um, it will uh, suck all the, the chemicals, whatever's in you, yeah. and, and since your body can't digest it, you vomit it. So it, it, it like, it's like acts as a magnet to the, to the drugs. And then you throw it up. And then you throw it up. So they black. Oh. Do you throw up black? Yeah, dude. You throw up horrendous black. And then like the, vo- the vomiting is so violent so intensely violent that all the blood vessels in my eyes and around my eyes on my face broke. So I had red eyes and red capillaries broken on my face. like a walker. Dude, I looked like that for weeks. It looked like I had been in some like traumatic fight. You know, it was just... What did... Okay. I'm sure the doctors were telling your parents, what were they saying? He's going to be fine? No. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I moved to the ICU the next... The day after that. How long in the hospital? Probably three or four days. And um, because when you're in a coma, that can fuck with your brain functions for your life. Yeah, it's not good, man. I mean, you know, I I felt pretty normal shortly thereafter. Yeah. Um, uh, Psychologically, it was traumatizing. Yeah, did it change perspective for you? Yeah, I mean, for a while, you're really, you know, first of all, I I was actually so scared of drugs and alcohol for for a while. Right. You know? Like I didn't even, I, it's, just a, it's just a fear thing. You're so young. I was 18 and you almost die. You're not like, ah, get back on the horse. You know, you're, <laughs> like, you're scared. I was scared. Did you ever do GHB or E again? No. no Neither one? Never again. I didn't, I didn't have a sip of booze for a year. Wow. But then like, you know, I kind of needed that recovery time. Like really just out of fear to realize like you're not going to die. How long until, because that must be such a traumatic experience on your body. How long until you felt normal again? Well, physically it was so traumatic. You know, really I think the most traumatizing thing was the intense, intense and prolonged vomiting. Right. That um, I was physically sore. Like I felt like I had been beaten. Right. For a week, you know, I was, I was that sore. Um, and then the psychological trauma of, of it, of doing it, of seeing how it affects other people, it, it, it fucks with you. You know, you, you're like, you realize there was a candlelight 
vigil at the really? hospital. Yeah, because they were like, yeah, he might die, you know. So all that shit, you and you see your parents' faces. Did you? Did you? Was there anybody who didn't show up to the candlelight that you tracked down later? You're like, what the fuck, dude? Nah, there man. was a candlelight vigil. I was gonna die. You you couldn't make I, it out. I should have. <laughs> I should have checked off. You should have checked. You should have seen the guest Where's list. Where's the book signing on this thing? Yeah. No. <laughs> who the fuck didn't come to my candlelight? Yeah. That's insane. So did that change your moving forward in your life, change your perspective? Or were you so young that it was more like a bump in the road? Um, you know, I want to say, I, I want to I say it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't big enough. Well, it was big, but I, 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 it wasn't affected to the point where I was like, I'm going to live every day to the full. Like, it wasn't <laughs> yeah, like yeah, one yeah. of those things. Um, even though I did, you know, have those kind of spiritual moments after that, where you realize, holy shit, man, I almost died this year, you know? Or, Did it make you a more spiritual person? Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. I don't think it did. Um, but it also made me think about, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess in a way, like, I do, I do think about the, the, the idea that you have one shot. Yeah. I, I thought about that a number of times. And, and I, I thought so with more clarity that, you know, if with everything, just go for it. Like, always, I just go, like, just try it, try it. Yeah, and so do you feel like that in any way it pushed you with your stand-up? Or, because, listen, I will tell you this, man. You've worked, and I know a lot of people, when they look at comics, they're like, that dude came out of nowhere. Yeah. Not out of nowhere. Right. I mean, you worked really fucking hard. Oh, yeah. You've done... You probably can't count the amount of sets that you've done. A lot, man. Right. I basically stayed touring. Yes. Um, nonstop, and I mean nonstop, since uh, probably 2007. I've never... Where does that come from? Like, I, I'm always curious as to where someone's drive comes from. Because because you, it's an interesting dichotomy, man. Because like you said, you're not a passive guy, but yeah. you right. So that drive, a lot of times, you don't. When you see a more, uh, I understand when you, if you if you told me Joe Rogan is driven, I'd be like, no, yeah, no shit, yeah, no shit. I get it, yeah, totally get it. But your drive for comedy, yeah, is pretty intense. Yeah, where do you think that comes from? I don't know, man. I mean, because it doesn't that... permeate to every part of your life, right? Right. No, you're right. Um, I think I've always thought, oh, uh, this is something I can be, I'll be successful at. Yeah. And I wanted to prove it to myself that I could do it well. So part of it was, I know that you got to work hard to, to have any, you know, to achieve. And then I, I wanted to, I wanted mm-hmm. to, to achieve like that. And then another part of it was, I've always thought in terms of um, going to work, like working as the norm like i don't feel that comfortable not being busy mm-hmm. you know um i mean i watched my dad get what did up. he do he's a financial guy oh, but so I'm he's up early home late uh yeah i mean actually up up early home normal right because right? the market's closed and he's an east coast guy okay. so. but i mean you know that was normal right for him to get up and go to work and i always saw myself as like yeah i'll just you know Going going to work to me is, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy working, mm-hmm. but I also feel like almost a duty to work. You know, you know what's interesting, and and you know, I I obviously have old kids, right? Yeah. But people ask me all the time about parenting advice, and I don't buy into parenting advice, and I don't buy into parenting books because I think every child is different and all that stuff. Yeah. 
the one thing that I wish someone had told me, um, as far as parenting goes, is something that you inadvertently just said, right? You watched your dad, you watched, I always tell people, they go, what's the one thing, if you could tell me, I go, just remember this, what you say to your kids is not as important as what you show them. Mm -hmm. What they see, they remember more. Look, I've given my kids more heart-to-heart talks. Do you remember any of the heart-to-heart talks your parents gave you? Because you tune out. All you can think is, when is he leaving? I got to come again. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But you learn by watching at a very young age. You're right. You learn by observing. You Look, I can go back to people that I know about their relationships now with men or women, not by what their parents said to them, by observing how their parents interacted. Yeah. It's got, it's got, listen, obviously what you say, you can't call your kid a fuckhead for his whole life. Sure. But if you had to choose what's more yeah. important, those heart to heart talks or how you can show you, even at six months, they're watching you to see, look, I learned very early when my son from the back seat screamed merge asshole. Yeah. That I was like, mm, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's watching me. That's very, <laughs> right? very funny. He's watching me. But that's the one thing. It's interesting that that so it's stuck out to the it's funny you say like my wife jokes with me that like, oh yeah, but you know, you love going out um on the road, like going to do your gigs. Yeah. And kind of the implication was like for fun, that you're having fun. And I was my immediate was thought was like, no, it's not like yeah. I'm not I'm not, I don't party. Like, I'm not going out there and, and partying. Set, weed, sleep. I mean, it's, it, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's just like set, hotel room, n- some notes, watch TV, like not even anything, you know? Do you take notes after you're set? Sometimes. Sometimes I make notes and, or listen, you know, especially yeah. in, in, you know, on the road. Um, but I go, I was, my immediate thought was like, no, it's not, it's not for, for fun. It's that, and I realized that I feel like when I'm not doing that, that I'm not, well, like if I'm off the road long enough, right. it's like, what are you, a bum? Like you're just yeah. laying around? Like you, you got to go to work, you know? You got to, you have your- You learn that from watching your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, like I, when I started to realize that, I started to think about my characteristics and what, I picked up from my mom and dad was so much more visual than audio. Like I, I know the things that I picked up from them by watching them. Look, you know, I watched them interact. My parents never yelled at each other in front of us. Yeah. That's so that's not something that I do because I, I just, that was not something that was, what do you got there? A dog chewing on some form of plastic. Mm. You're a brave man just to reach down though. I went in there too. Yeah. Far in there. <laughs> Have you ever, you know, do you, the worst part is when you, where you fuck my dog? Yes. <laughs> because I saw, I walked in on that and that yeah. wasn't great. The worst part is when you're watching, walking them and they have something stuck, they're trying to poop uh-huh. and you got to go in for it. And oh, pull, yeah. Oh. Or like uh, he walked, they walk in the house and you see just shit <sighs> in the hairs. <sighs> and I go, dude, uh, yeah. I'd rather pull it out than have him drag that shit all over the house. The drag is not good. Yeah, the drag's terrible. My dog is a giant pussy. My dog is, is half pit, half boxer. But when there's a squirrel underneath my car, he won't leave my yard. <laughs> I love big, dumb, like friendly, sweet dog. Oh, he's yeah. just like, hey, I want to walk down the driveway, but do you see that thing under your car? Like, I don't know what's going to do. These, think, these dogs see squirrels and they think that they are tigers. Do they chase them? Oh my God. I think a squirrel would tear one of these things apart. Dude, 
these are in its purest form, they were bred to be rat herders, right? Like to, to, to these dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Brussels, so if you if you research the dogs, that's what people would do is they got them to not herd. I'm thinking of the wrong word, but, but they the, would get them out of holes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So in their DNA, they see a rat, a mouse, a squirrel. It's you can see it. You can see the genetic makeup. The entire dog's expression changes, the tails, and they they just go after it, man, immediately. They it's like it's like a treat. Like they think you get like they go crazy when they see squirrels, man. Do you I'm sure you have coyotes up here. Oh yeah. yeah. You do, and, right? and a mountain lion in this neighborhood. I saw a mountain lion at free walking Fryman Canyon. Ooh. Have you seen one here, the mountain lion? No, but they were they they somebody who lives here was like, oh, it was caught on somebody's home yeah. security and and yeah, this it's freaks wild. the the, yeah. the coyote. But these guys live indoors, you know. Like well, you yeah. go out with them, but I'm with them back inside. There's no free roaming in my neighborhood where the the people with small dogs don't walk the small dogs at night because there have been coyotes that have attacked dogs on leashes. Uh, fuck that, dude. Well, yeah. because look, I believe it. We've we've taken away their habitat. It's really fucked. Did you see that sixty minutes piece on? No, I didn't. It's really fantastic. I mean, it's sad, but it's a really well done. Well, piece. we we've we've taken away, and the same with the mountain lion. Like, look, I know people are like, they fucking got to hunt the mountain lion. And Do kill you know it. what they say? The big the big thing that could help mountain lions here is at least in this piece. What the the big thing that's hurting them is the four hundred five and the inability to cross it. Oh shit! And that they've been killed, and they can't you know they can't roam as freely, and that in Europe, I forget where, what country, they have built a, an overpass, but with you know grass and brush and trees so that the lions think it's just a continuation of it and it's helped their, uh, you know... Yeah, that makes sense. Ability to keep producing, basically. The 405 is basically, in the 1300s, it's the Atlantic Ocean. They're like, I can't get over. No, man. There's no way I'm And walking. they'll try. Sometimes you know they'll they try. get hit. Yeah, the coyotes have started to make it down. You know, obviously we've taken away their habitat and their food, and I think whatever food is left, the mountain lions are really probably. In my fourteen years here, I've seen some wild shit with coyotes. I've seen a coyote just trotting down Fountain Ave. Yes, with a dog in its mouth. No, uh, yes, tiny dog. Yeah, just just trotting along with a dead dog, small dog in its mouth. I've been. I've. Where do you fall on that? I know a lot of people are like kill the coyotes. I'm like, dude, no, they have to live. Yeah, no. I mean, I would be so distraught. Yeah. But no. I, I mean, if my, it happened to my dog, yeah, that's that's what they do, man. Yeah. Um, one time we lived in Silver Lake, and I lived kind of like back off of the street, off yeah. of Hyperion, and we start hearing this crazy, high pitched, like weird squeal like i know it's canine you know yeah. i know it's a dog but this shit is just weird and i look out there's a pack of dogs that have surrounded the front house down on the street and their dog is inside but within the glass like at the door and those dogs were all like squealing and they try to call them out to yeah. f- have them follow them up into the hills well they want yeah they wanted to, to eat this dog but they were you know five or six just 
back and forth, and they were going bananas, man. They were going, and I, I feel like I was watching National Geographic, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and it wasn't quick. It was, they were, they stayed there for a while. If you were in the house yeah. with the dog, yeah. what would you have done? After I wiped all the shit off the back of my legs. Um, first of all. That would have freaked me the fuck out. For sure that would have freaked me out, man. I, I would be so scared for my dog. Yeah. I would have hidden my dog, man. Yeah. Can I tell you, I saw, we lived in Studio City for a little while, and we had... You know, one of the beautiful things about California is that you can come upon a house that has like a lot of trees with food on it, which is basically like a grocery store for animals. Yeah. We had a grapefruit tree. We had a lemon tree. We had an orange tree and we had an avocado tree. By the way, have you ever seen an avocado tree? Yeah, where have I seen an avocado tree? Maybe I, I haven't. Uh, for, see, I thought they grew on, for whatever reason, I thought they grew on bushes. Uh-huh. They grow on massive massive trees. trees. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I also... I I would go up and squeeze them, and I'd be like, "Oh, they're not, they're not, they don't ripen until they fall off." The gardener was like, "Hey, man, you ever gonna pick any of these avocados?" I'm like, "They don't ripen." He was like, "You gotta pick yeah, them." Yeah. But there's hundreds of them, so we had animals all over. We had possum, but underneath my wife and I's bedroom, we would we started to hear this, and then we would hear a boom, boom on the wall, boom, boom, and I would. I looked out the window and there. This is the place. Apparently, the two possums like to fuck, oh. and they would fuck under our window and hit the wall. I could spray water on that possum, and he just looked at me like, "Fuck you, dude." Not happening. Bro. No. Yeah. Guess what? I'll leave when I'm done. Until that time, enjoy the music. <laughs> they used to fuck under our window. I had I had a possum fuck between. The ceiling of my bed and the roof. It sounds of the house. terrible, right? Yeah, man. And then the scratching. Oh. And then uh, it was a, a female, so she had, you know, gave birth to. Yeah. So then there was little possums. We had to have animal control. Dude, I was out. in Trader Joe's, and I, there's this guy in front of me, and I see he's wearing a baby Bjorn, mm-hmm. and I walk in front of him, and it's a possum, and he's in the what? Pro- he's in the produce section, and I go, hey man, what is that? He goes, it's a possum. I go, he can't be in here. And he was like, why not? They're as clean as you and me. I go, no, they're, no, they're fucking not. not. He goes, it's a pet possum. It's not in the wild. I go, I don't care. And he goes, it's, I'm so, it, you know, it's clean. And, I, and I'm not tattletale guy. Yeah. But I grabbed the guy from Trader Joe's. I go, hey, service animals, totally get it. Possum? Does that fall into the category of service animal? Because it's one thing if we're in the can. Around all the produce. If we're in the canned yeah. goods section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The produce section? Nah, bro. No. And by the way. Why do you have a pet possum? You need to get your whole life together, man. Listen, there are a lot of things where I'm like, that's I'd have a monkey. I know a family that had like, you know, they did all this wildlife rescue stuff. Yeah. And they found a possum that had fallen out of a tree. Uh, like where the mother was killed, but the, the baby possum yeah. survived. So they took it in the house. They were bottle feeding it. Like, oh, this is the most adorable thing. And then one day that possum scratched the mom's face up. <laughs> Possum was out <laughs> because it's a wild animal. Everybody, of yeah, yeah. Do you know when we when I was growing up, there my we our dining room we had to get the floor the wood floor redone because I dropped a keg through it mm-hmm. when my parents were away. I threw a party. Dropped a keg. I dropped it. a keg. It was a wood floor, and you know the keg went through the wood, mm. and 
I tried to fix it by just sliding the dining room table and the rug over six inches. And I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, who's going to recognize that? And the first thing my mom said when she got in was, why'd you move the dining room table? And I was like, well, shit. Fucking hold it. (laughs) So we had to redo it. While we were doing it, um, there was two nights where there was just a hole in the floor. And so one night a possum came up in the house. And uh, so we had it walled off. So there was plastic. So you couldn't really, they yeah. couldn't get it, but it was a possum in the room. And, and so I was walking up through the basement, through the dining room. I saw the possum. And the next thing I, I think I jazz handed. Yeah. And screamed like a fucking big bitch. Yes. Because it went, it gave a. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this. I ran into my house, ran into my mom. I was like, there's a possum. My dad comes home not too longer, much longer later. He hangs his jacket up over where the possum is. My dad is in, highly intelligent, but is so intelligent that he misses a lot. Yeah. Do you know, know what I mean? I know exactly what you're okay, talking about. Okay, so he misses a fucking lot. He hung it, and he walks in, and I'm sitting there. I go, did you see the possum? He goes, what possum? Are you in the fucking dining room? You didn't see the possum? He goes, I didn't see the possum. You show it to me. I walk in. I open the plastic, and it's just, he goes, oh, I was just standing right there. And I go, holy you shit. You didn't see the possum? He goes, no. He walks right past it, walks into our garage, grabs a shovel. Bunk. Just to daze it on the head, scoops it up, shoops, shoves it outside. That was it. Holy shit, man. But it was a different time. Do you know something happened when we were growing up? And if this had happened now, people would shoot. Sh- we lived in this huge apartment complex. Yeah. And in the apartment complex, complex, there was a huge grass area in the middle where all the kids got together, you know, no parents, and played. And played kickball yeah. or baseball, yeah. right? So one Saturday, this we were out out playing, and this dog, and this is also back in the time where nobody leashed their dog, and they were like, go out of the house, and I hope you come home. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. just ran around. Well, this dog, if you ran or moved, it would bite you. So it, it, we froze, and we spent like an hour just frozen because it would run around and sniff, and somebody would try to run to their house, and it would run, and you'd have to bite freeze him. again. Yeah. yeah. So we told my dad, and he goes, what did that dog look like? And um, we told him, he goes, okay. He goes, go out tomorrow, let me know what happens. We went out tomorrow, same thing happens. And this was over the summer. He goes, all right. He goes, go out again tomorrow. And I was like, we were all like, we don't want to fucking go out there, Dad. He was like, dude, we're going to be fine. Him, two of the neighbors, came out with bats. Came out with bats. And basically, listen, it was in a time where yeah. didn't know whose dog it was. There's no collar. Right. All he knew was this dog was biting every kid in the block. And the they gave it a little beating. Dog never came back. Yeah. If that had happened right now. Oh, no, man. No. Do you know what I mean? And you know what? Looking at it now, I would call animal <laughs> control. Sure. Right? Yeah. But back then, that wasn't even... Do you know what I mean? Like, of it's course, such man. a different mindset. All that stuff. I was just reading, like... Um, this article on Twitter, I made a joke about it, but like uh, a woman showed up at a job, uh, Price Waterhouse accounting yeah. firm, as a temp, and they sent her home because she was wearing flats. And they said, like, part of the uh, wardrobe requirement, you have to wear heels. And she refused. Uh-huh. And so now it's like a, it's a news story, right? And, you know, I, I totally get it, but. If this was like, you know, 1985 or something, and somebody was like, yeah, you got to wear heels, and they were like, I don't want to. They'd be like, cool. And then, <laughs> like, you know, the idea that, yeah. that it would make the news is what would be, is laughable. The story would be the same. And, yes. And, you know, she'd 
doesn't want to do it. And they go, go home. Like, we don't need you. But, <laughs> but yeah. then she would just be a, a flat-footed bitch without a job. You know, like, she wouldn't, <laughs> like, the, it wouldn't be a thing where now there's, like, an online petition. You know, there's, it's going to turn into a whole thing. When do you feel like we'll eventually even out? Because, look, if you go from where my dad beat the dog with a bat to where we are now, isn't there a middle ground that we're going to come back down to eventually? Kind of, yes, but I feel like it's like... Uh, you know, it's like the Earth's orbit. It's just going to, it's always moving. Right. You know, it's, 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 this thing will continue and it has its natural ebb and flow. It has its natural push and then it's pushed back. And you go, will it ever settle? It'll never settle because it stays moving. Mm-hmm. It's just what's the current flavor of the year of the decade. So you, you'll, you know, this might be, this is obviously, you know, a big thing now is gender equality mm-hmm. and acceptance. And, you know, that's just, there's there's that movement. There's the pushback against it, and then eventually that'll be old news, where it'll be in a good way, where it'll be more normal and accepted, and you know. But new issues will always be arising, right? It'll always be something new. Well, I mean, there's the movement of I'm calling myself a black because that's what I associate with. <laughs> This is a, this is one that I'm not getting behind yeah. quite and yet. And the um, the newest one we talk about a lot on our podcast is a uh, non-binary. Where that's what does that mean? Non. Well, so the the binary spectrum, men and women exist on it. Like you are, you're a female, or you're a male. Right. And it to be non-binary is to to not identify with either. It means you're. You, you essentially are, you have your sex organs, but you are genderless. So a woman, excuse me, a person uh, was in London, came out to President Obama when he was there a yeah. couple weeks ago, and came out at this huge you know, press, uh, a, a town hall meeting he was doing yeah. with, the, with all the world's press there, and was like, came out as non-binary to him. And you know it made... It made all the news, and, yeah. and then all these other people came out as non-binary, and that's who do those new. people fuck? Well, their 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 uh, response to that would be like, you know, I my sex orientation and my sexual activity has nothing to do with my gender, huh? Well, that's kind of yeah, but that's that that's my point. Is that but but who do they fuck? Um, I think other non-binaries. <laughs> that is a niche crowd right there. Yeah. I'm going to open a bar called the non-binary. We'll see who shows up. I came out as non-binary on morning news last week. How'd it go? Uh, they had your response. <laughs> I, was, I was doing a morning show in yeah. Jacksonville. And I, I want to make a big announcement. And they're like, all right, what's your big announcement? And I go, I'm non-binary. She goes, what? <laughs> she goes, I hope there's more to that. <laughs> No, that's it. That's, that's it. the big. That's it. The yeah. Big announcement. That's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a little Google research on non. Oh, you'll you'll find a lot. You'll Will find I? A lot. Oh what, yeah. What what is there? A, is there an attire that the non-binary are wearing? Is it asex? Is it another well, word for asexual? People have brought that up. You know, the androgynous person. Yeah. Can be obviously. I think it's that is now kind of being amplified, and there also this thing I learned was that obviously with. You know, with an androgynous person, maybe like, what is that person? But you're also finding some people that are claiming to be non-binary uh, 
fit aesthetically into a gender you would normally pick up on. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you're like, oh, that's a woman. And she's like, no, 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 I'm non-binary. And they want to be referred to with different pronouns also, which is kind of like an interesting little quirk of it is that you wouldn't say he or she. You would say they or Z. Z? Yeah. Mm, Z sounds like a bad guy from a Star Trek movie. Well, you oh, tell, wait, am I about to get some angry emails? You tell them that. <laughs> I will tell them that. Yes. Um, listen, dude, I, I'm, I am so uh, happy that we finally got a chance to sit down and talk. Me too, man. This was fun. Yeah, I, and um, I, I enjoy doing podcasts with people that I don't know that well. Yeah. For a lot of reasons, I don't know. I'm sure you do them also, but I, I, for me, for one, for me, it's like it's an exercise of being able to carry on a conversation. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Um, but also like I've um, y- you and I have been in this town a long time, and I've heard so much about you. So likewise, it was it was it was, it was a fucking real yeah. pleasure to come and sit down and. It was fun, man. We have a lot of we have a lot of friends that uh, yeah yeah. And I, thank you for inviting me into the compound. For sure, man. Now, if you can figure out how to get that oven to work. Yeah, that'll be a whole other podcast. Do you want to plug something? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I have a, a bunch of dates coming up. So they're all at TomSegura.com. And we have a weekly podcast, my wife and I do, called Your Mom's House. And you can see everything at YourMom'sHousePodcast.com. It's an enormous podcast. It's uh, it's been it's been growing, which is pretty cool. It's, it's an enormous... It's it's funny, you know, the most downloaded episode of my this podcast is yeah. the one with me and my wife. Oh, really? It's really I, w- w- hmm. uh, it's, it, by the way, it's counterintuitive to what anybody in the business ever told you was, don't tell anybody you're married. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But it's interesting that people kind of latch on to you and Christina. Why do you think that is? I think people, you know, it's, it's, it's why you do screen tests and it's, it's people like, Natural chemistry. Right. So you have a good thing with somebody that you guys have a natural, like a real thing. Audiences pick up on that. Um, I think it's an escape from like the way a lot of entertainment is. Like, mm-hmm. They come into our show. It's its own world. Um, it has a lot of inside, like a lot of podcasts, a lot of inside jokes, a yeah. lot of inside kind of, you know, a banter. And um, it's just a fun escape for a lot of people, I think. Uh, and they like that these two people, I think they sense these two people like each other. But have a lot of fun, you know, joking around. It's a very silly podcast. Yeah. I mean, it is completely outrageous in a lot of ways. But it's a it's like a fun it's like turning tuning into a, a, a silly show you like every week, you know. Love it. Yeah. Um guys, uh, as you know, I'm doing the first ever live episode of this podcast at the Wild West Comedy Festival, May twenty first. Come out, come out, wherever you are. We got Three guests, one who will not let me say who it is until week of, because he doesn't want the uh, the hoopla. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a, it's going to be a great show. May twenty first at Zany's for the Wild West Comedy Festival. Wow, I'm pretty excited about that. I've never done a live one before. They're fun, are they? Yeah, they're fun. We we really enjoy doing them. Yeah, really excited about that. And then the weekend after that, I am in uh, Bellevue, Washington, at Parlor Live. Good club. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend in Seattle, so I'm sure nobody will be in town. Uh, but it'll be a good time. It's, I love that club. It'll be a good time. Come on out. And besides that, man, thank you very much for joining me. Dude, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.